Welcome to the Immigrant Incorporate podcast. And my guest for today is Yannick DaCosta. Yannick has had years of experience in corporate America before moving into entrepreneurship. She describes herself as a creative with an obsession for producing amazing brand visuals that transform ordinary spaces into extraordinary experiences. Yannick Da Costa was born in Kingston, Jamaica. She graduated from Florida Atlantic University and Full Sail University with a BA in Fine Arts and an MFA in Media Design. She's the founder and owner of YKMD, and with 12 years of design experience, the United States Department of Labor recognized Yannick as an expert in brand development and graphic design by engaging her as a consultant for the federal ONET program. Yannick currently sits on the executive board of the Graphics Arts Guild, where she was elected national treasurer by the organization's membership. She is also the International Council of Design Delegate, representing the Guild and teaching graphic artists at varying international conferences and meetups. She is an acknowledged contributor in the 15th and 16th editions of the Graphics Arts Guild's Handbook, Pricing and Ethical Guidelines, a national reference book for professional graphic artists and agencies. I'm looking forward to sharing this episode with you. Yannick has so much passion and a lot of great insights and stories from our work experience. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Immigrants Incorporate podcast. On this podcast, you will learn from lived experiences how to thrive in the corporate workplace as an immigrant. My name is Lola Adeyemo. I am the CEO of EQI Mindset and the founder of the nonprofit Immigrant Incorporate Inc. I work with organizations to build inclusive workplaces. On this podcast, I will be amplifying immigrant voices from within corporate organizations through solo episodes as well as guest interviews. It is a global world of work, and I'm very sure you can learn a thing or two from my guests who are originally from different parts of the world and their experiences working in the corporate workplace. Welcome to the Immigrant Incorporate podcast. I'm looking forward to my conversation with Yannick today. Hi, Yannick. Hey, hey, hey. How are you, Lola? Good, good, good. She's already giving you a hint into where she's from, but I will let her tell you. You want to introduce yourself, Yannick? Yeah, so, you know, me, Yannick, um, born, raised in Jamaica, did all the things, have all the things, lived in America for about 16, 17 years. Then got up and ran away back to my country. <laughs> I promised. I promise. I promised they didn't deport me. Like it was <laughs> totally a choice. Okay, so yeah, we're gonna d- dive deeper into that. So your immigrant story, of course, the, the focus of this this conversation is uh, immigrant experience. So you want to start with that? Tell us where you were born and how you got into the US. Uh, you know. So, Born, raised, like I said, in Jamaica. Um, My mom moved to America to, you know, deal with her educational pursuits and basically mandated that I had to do the same. And when you are a child, you do what your parents tell you. How old are you? (laughs) 16. 
but I I came here under a lot of protest because (laughs) for me, Jamaica was amazing. You know, I wake up, breakfast is made, you know, my room is clean. Like, I don't really have any struggles or worries. I don't pay bills. You know, I hang out like it was great. My grandma makes me pudding regularly. Like it's, it's like, why am I going to America? And for me, it was even more frustrating because I was like, you want me to move to a country where I have to clean my own house? Cause we can't <laughs> afford to hire a housekeeper there. Cause the cost of living is so high. I was like, why? I don't, I don't understand. This feels ghetto. It feels wrong. I don't like it. But anyway, Moved to America, made the best of it. Um, so you so you moved at sixteen. That yeah. means you came after high school, or did you go to high school at all? Yeah, I, I graduated St. Andrew High School for Girls in Jamaica. Um, you know, it's another thing. Came to America, and and my mom allowed people to be like, "Oh, she's too young to go to college," and so she sent me back to high school. So I have two high school diplomas, which is great. No, not really. Um, <laughs> anywho. It, the second one came in handy because it allows me it allowed me to be eligible for even more scholarships, and uh, it's like oh you have to have a, a high school diploma from an American institution in order to qualify. Great, I got one of those too. So oh, I I up? didn't know that. Was that some of the stipulations on the scholarships? Yeah, they're they're very they're varying scholarships that are only offered to students with high school diplomas from an American high school. That's like Even a, if they hold, you can see that they have something. Yeah. From, oh, okay. yeah, that's a that's a thing. Um, even like there's some there's some state scholarships, um, that you can only qualify for if you graduated from a Florida high school. So yeah, those came in handy too. Okay, so you you moved to Florida, right? Right. So. And even like moving to Florida, I think I'm trying to remember if they put me in 10th grade or 11th grade, one of the two. I can't remember at this point. It was so ridiculous. But keep in mind, again, you're talking to someone who graduated from a high school in Jamaica where like in ninth grade, we're doing calculus. And you have now put me into a public institution where, you know, people are in 12th grade still trying to figure out what, you know, the infinity sign actually means in math. I don't just. Let's let's not do this. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun. And I was like internally rebelling most of the time. So, you know, yeah. but here we are once so again. You took one, one year of high school experience and then college. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was a real joke because then my transcript came. Right. Because, you know, in terms of my age, I was in the right grade. But mm-hmm. when my transcript came, they were like, yeah, you have too many credits. So we have to we have to we have to put you in 12th grade so you could graduate. This all happened like within one year. So like within oh, one year, they put you in 11. Yeah. And then in, in one year I was no longer in that year group. So I think, so I think I was like, I think I came into high school. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it had to be like, I came into the U S high school, like class of 08, but I graduated class of 07. So that was also like a real, ugh, experience because I never really got to like create any real bonds with anyone because all of a sudden I was no longer in their year group and no longer participating with them the same no longer had the same classes now I have different teachers now I have to figure out how to 
make it work from there to there. Then all of a sudden, like my classes are all crammed in and it's just like a real nice disruptive way to leave. But once again, it's all good because when I left, still left with my scholarship money. So again, just gonna just gonna take the brighter sides of those things. Yeah, I mean, it, take, it takes a while to get settled in, um, especially if you spent all your teenage years um, in the place. In another country. Right. Yeah. Then <laughs> all of those changes happening within a year again. So you um, took the bright side, which is a good bright side. I, I could I could use that. But <laughs> I was um, college and then getting into corporate America experience for you. What, what was your major? So college was fun. So um, I think any immigrant will know what happens when your parents send you to school. This is not just Jamaica. I know it's not, but you are expected to be a lawyer, doctor, engineer, scientist, nurse, some remnants of that. But keep in mind, I was dragged to America screaming and kicking. Did I want to like live with my mom? Absolutely. Did I want to be closer to her and be with her all the time? Absolutely. But not in America. And so in that situation, because I was so well positioned from an educational perspective and I was going into college with all this scholarship money, the only person who had control over what I got to major in was me because no one was paying, at least no one in my family was paying for my education for the first time in my life. Mm. Um, and as my mother would say, you know, she sent me to private school my entire life with the exception of that one year when I came here to America and went to high school. But then I had the nerve to go to college to learn to draw. My major was art. What? Like literal fine arts. Like I'm talking like drawing, you know, analog photography, graphic design. Like that was my focus. I think the graphic design was really just to pacify my mother because she was convinced I was going to be a starving artist in one way or another. And I was like, I just want to go to school and enjoy what I'm doing. There are two subjects that I wholeheartedly enjoy. And even to this day, it's math and art. And I was like, eh, I don't really feel like doing math. So I'm just going to do art. And so, you know, my mother was really concerned about my path for a very, very long time. I think even up to like, I maybe was 24, 25, she was still like, ooh, you doing art still need a real job. It's not a real job. Immigrants, we, we get that. Yeah. <laughs> we understand that. And, um, you know, what is this? I'm 32 now, and I get to be an artist every single day and live my very best life. But we won't even talk about how you have to, like, you know, come from the shadows of your family to, like, live in your own and, like, be really happy about it. Right. I, um, I'm having this conversation with you right now, and I'm thinking to myself... I've done a lot of podcast episodes over like the last three months. And I feel like my mother probably cringes every single time she listens to these because I kind of like, I've kind of just been talking like no one else can hear me. 
I'm just like, this is like my truth. This is like who I am. This is how I feel about what I've experienced and who I've experienced it with. And it's kind of just like, everybody kind of just has to suck it because this is my, this is my life and this is my version of it. Right. And I, and I think that's the power it brings to the conversation though. It's people can get all the kind stuff from everywhere. Yeah. Your story, only you can tell it. (laughs) Right. So and graduating from college, right? Like I was, you know, doing this like weird thing where I was like taking like 24 credits a semester. And, you know, I had my own fair share of like, not so traumatizing, but then traumatizing, great, whatever, varying things when it came to like my college experience. Mm-hmm. But I feel like before I can even talk to you about like transitioning into corporate America I think it's really important to kind of like while you're in college to kind of find your tribe especially if you are going to college within the like America or within like a foreign country like to find a group of people that make it feel like home and I was able to do that through like a couple of different groups right like you know Caribbean student associations like that made not being home, not as miserable in terms of like parties and culture and music and dancing. And, you know, I'm Jamaican. There's a dance for everything. There's a dance called brush your teeth. Okay. Um, (laughs) And then there's also finding another group of people for me anyway, that kind of helped me assimilate. And a lot of people hate when I say the word assimilate, but it is what it is into American culture. And that was my sorority, right? Like it's a historically black um, sorority. Um, It's called Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated um, at the Florida Atlantic University, which is where I completed my um, undergraduate degree. They're the first black Greek letter organization to um, be chartered on that specific campus. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you guys have to like go to the Google for that one. (laughs) Um, But for me... I feel like that was like a really big catalyst into me finding my comfortable place and being and and finding some kind of peace, mm-hmm. you know, at the thought of being like torn away from what for me was safety and familiarity and comfort. I understand that like my immigration story is not like a lot of other people's like a lot of other people have said and it's funny because even Americans say to me, like, if you hate this country so much, which I don't actually hate the country, but we can dive into that a little bit more. But if you hate the country so much, then why are you here? And I'll say, because my mom said I had to. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. Um, but whereas a lot of other children may have been really excited to come to America because it's like the place of hopes and dreams and opportunities and all these things, which but I completely agree. Like America has definitely provided me with a lot of opportunities I probably wouldn't have gotten in, in Jamaica right? Like, I don't know if I would have been able to be like a thriving business owner growing up in Jamaica in the same way and having access to the kind of resources and relationships that I have built here. Um, But a lot of people, like, they run from the third world country, third world experience because a lot of that comes with like, I guess like the class backstory, like different countries have different things. And and I think a lot of the third world countries, like classism is really like prevalent. Right. And I can't pretend like I grew up in a zinc house on the side of a riverbank. Cause I didn't like we, like my family, like we're not like, you know, rich or 
were not like any like real ostentation, but very like humble living kind of people. But like, I was never hungry. I always had a roof over my head and I was never not comfortable. Like, and I was never, I don't, my grandparents who raised me like never made me feel like I was not in a place where I was loved. And like, if I ever needed something, I wouldn't get it. I mean, sure, you know, you know, sometimes you ask for things that you want, right? But like, and you might be like, oh, you're not going to get that. But like, I was also the kid who I got so much lunch money that my lunch money could buy my lunch and two other people's lunch because they would come to school with no lunch money because their parents didn't have it. And my lunch money would, you know, suffice for all three of us. So my immigration story is a little bit more like life wasn't bad. There was nothing to run away yeah, from. No, and, and that you know? and that is what that is what this conversation is about. It's also to help people widen the lens through which they view immigrants because mm-hmm. sure, they're seen as a dirty word. The conversation is seen as, you know, the reason why I started Immigrants Incorporate is because of exactly what you're describing. Because when people talk about immigration, they're talking about low paying jobs and illegal, you know, people. Mm-hmm. And there is that aspect of immigration. Yeah, sure. I just can't identify with it. Exactly. But then the word immigrant just means people that moved here. Yeah. And that story yeah. could be very different. And that's what I hope people would see is the richness and the diversity of, of what it means for somebody to be an immigrant and, and the experience. So I, I really love hearing your stories. Like, my life was good. I was happy. Yeah. I wasn't dreaming of escaping. Listen, uh, I I'm I moved back to Jamaica this year, and it's been amazing. But we can circle back to that. Um, so after 16, 17 years, you yeah. still you know think yeah. of it as home, and and gladly yeah. went back. Um. All right. So I'm gonna circle back. Right. We're talking about like my transition into corporate America. There's like a lot of things that happened in between, like graduating college and actually getting into corporate America, but. As I was going into corporate America, I realized a couple of things. Actually, I think I realized them more now than anything else, even like during this conversation. I don't believe that my college experience prepared me, especially me as a Black immigrant woman, to be successful in corporate America. So people always talk about how you know, people who go to HBCUs aren't prepared to like integrate into the wider society. And I almost feel like there are some days where I wish I had their experience, where I wish I was educated in uh, an environment where everybody looks like me and understands me and can help guide me once I go out into a place where people don't all look like me and don't all understand me so I could be better positioned but um as I was going into corporate America there were just certain things that people didn't get there's certain things that would happen that I didn't really understand um because even like people who I was hanging out with in college like I never I was never meant to feel like you know some like uh, immigrant worker coming here to steal their jobs or whatever. It was just, I'm like another person who's hanging out. Um, but like, there would just be some things I can remember being said, like while I was at work that would blow me. Like I had one girl. And even as I'm saying this, I really feel like 
she was well-intentioned. I think she just said exactly what a lot of other people were thinking. She said, how is it that, and I'll never forget it, mind you. I was like, how is it that, she was like, how is it that, and this is like 7 p.m. on a Friday. I'm just trying to get my work done so I can forget about it for the weekend. How is it that you have a nicer car than me, a better wardrobe, a better job? Who do you know here? And I'm like, no one. I just applied. Well, do you have a sugar daddy? No, but if you could help me find a sugar daddy so I don't have to come to work with people like you every day, I'd appreciate it. And conversations like that. So this is somebody who is white, who is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There were so many microaggressions around that particular job where I was just like, this is really stressful. And my my family's biggest thing was, well, you know, you got to stick it out. You got to stick it out. You got to conform this, that, and the third. And it's like, when I walk into the office and I say, good morning, right? Some people respond and some people don't. I don't take it anyway. I move on. I go to my desk. But then the next day when my boss pulls me to the side and says, someone is complaining about the fact that I said, good morning. It's like, wait, what? Other people come into the office and say good morning too. I don't understand. So then I stop saying good morning and you hear that I'm no longer friendly. But I have my higher up being told by another person in the organization that I'm disruptive. I'm not disruptive. You're upset that, like the girl said, I come in here, I drive my Mercedes Benz because I can afford that, because I've saved my money to do that, that I dress well because that's how I choose to present myself. And you cannot possibly understand how this little black immigrant girl, who, by the way, is the only black girl within the company that is not on the construction floor or the manufacturing assembling line, could walk in here wearing her little, you know, Aldo shoes and Calvin Klein dress. And keep in mind, I'm not saying big names like, you know, Gucci or like, you know, Prada. I'm talking about, I'm talking about Calvin Klein and and Aldo. Like if there's, there's some envy that was behind that and it was obvious. Then I have like, I'm in another situation where, um, we're all sitting at a table. This is a completely different job, but we're all all sitting at a table and we're, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're encouraged to participate in the team bonding activities, right? And right. conversations are happening about childhood. You think, oh, we can talk about child. We all had a childhood. Let's share stories, right? So they're like talking about things that they got in trouble for when they were children. Again, our childhoods are different. Right. So I talked about the fact that when I was little, and it's having drivers in Jamaica is common for a middle-class family. It's right. very common, right. right? To have a driver pick up your child from school. So I was talking about how I got into trouble because I hid in the bathroom because I didn't want my driver to pick me up because I wanted to take the public bus with my friends. And my boss goes, something's not right here. And I'm like, wait, what? And she's like, the story's just not making sense. And I'm like, what about the story doesn't make sense? Well, you had a driver? And I was like, and I was like, oh, crap. I wasn't trying to stick out or show off or I just thought that I was sharing a part of my childhood story with you, just like how everyone else was sharing their childhood things that they got in trouble for. It wasn't, it wasn't like, 
I wasn't trying to brag, but it came off that way. Right. right. So that's also, again, me having to adjust what I do and do not talk about to accommodate everybody else who is now right. going to feel uncomfortable. Because they have a different perception or understanding, or they're not taking a minute to understand what life is like. Yeah. Where you grew up. So it was that really a, a meeting to to talk about what reality of our life is because and I think that's important that you shared that. It's, yeah, it's the it's the it's the quell whatever to make them yeah. feel more comfortable. And that was and that constantly was difficult for me because I always came from what I thought was this very authentic place. Right? right? This is regular life. This is regular life. Yeah. And apparently it was just like it sounded palatious or ostentatious. I ever had one person like they were like, "Yeah, Yannick is like Jamaican royalty," and I'm like, mm, "I guess that's relative, but like we don't, we're not. Life is just good. Like I, I'm, I'm like I said, like I'm not. I didn't come from a place where I was like living in a zinc house. Like I've never actually had to be hungry, even even if even if there was a hurricane and there's no light and there's no running water." You know, my grandfather had a generator and, you know, there was like a, a tank to store. Like, so it's like, yeah, okay, no big deal. It's just, just another hurricane. You know what I mean? Right. And, and the, in their head, it's like. But they haven't, they haven't heard or seen that part. So to them, that's not the reality. And so, you know why it's important that you bring this up, especially when you're talking about workplace and being able to recognize when some places really don't want your authenticity because they already put you in a box yeah because what you're saying is what people will say was like oh well we're doing a team building exercise we're trying to get to know you Girl, but no we're listen. not trying to get to know you no we're trying to prescribe what we think that you should be and completely different environment i cannot yeah. make it up my boss is trying to connect with me by telling me about how her mother was addicted to drugs and how she's still addicted to drugs and how she knows that I can understand. I said, why do you think that I would be able to understand that? I was like, I didn't even know what marijuana looked like until I moved to America. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, because you are from Jamaica, so you you should. Yeah, but I was also I I was also you know raised in a in a in a house with a government official. That's not like a real thing, right? So they don't don't know that, right? So they 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 can't comprehend that, and they don't want to. And 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 I I didn't like my mother may not have lived with me, but like. She wasn't some like strung out drug addict that was coming home and beating me and there was no food in the fridge. That's not a thing. Like she left me in the care of my grandparents who were financially and emotionally capable of providing a life for me while she went and pursued her education. That's not abnormal. Right. But that also doesn't mean that like I was living with my grandparents because my mom was some strung out drug addict. It's not, it's not a real thing. Um, but at the end of all of it, and it's a, it's really, really bad. It's really, really bad, guys, honestly. But the coping mechanism for me in all of these work environment situations was I get to leave. And when I say I get to leave, I don't mean quit, which clearly that also, you know. <laughs> happened at some point. But before that. I am, I am a self-employed business owner. That is a thing. Um, but I also 
tried my very best once I left work to leave it at work and accept that while I'm there, I I can't be my most authentic self because it's not understood. And even in the moment where I am being my most authentic self, because it makes so many people who don't look like me or who are not where I'm from uncomfortable, it puts a target on my back. There was even a time where my boss was like, how do you know so many people, right? Because in my mind, right, like our department was really small. Like I said, you know, I'm like, I'm the only black girl, right? Um, And so I started making friends with the other black people in the other departments, like all over the company. Because I'm like, I mean, I'm trying to find my tribe, bro. I'm trying to find who I can be comfortable with. Um, And... One of them, one of the guys was like Jamaican. Um, And then my boss was like, how do you guys find each other? You guys just like seek out other Jamaicans? And I was like, no, I didn't know he was Jamaican, actually. The bonding was over the blackness (laughs) because that's the, because that's the part that we can't hide. Yep. That's the part that subjects you to the same treatment. Because I mean, even like... You could even, even like how I'm speaking right now, I made that adjustment on purpose. Because when I'm here, I don't want people to go, say yeah, man. That's, that's not, that's not a thing. I mean, it's, it's funny because in talking, I'd be like, yeah, man. But like, I don't think about it as, yeah, man, Irie, man. Oh, cool runnings, man. Like, it's just like, yeah, man, I'm good. It's more like, it's just like how you're like, when someone says, how are you? I'm well. Right. It's, it's right. That's the equivalent for me. And so it's not like, I don't want to be a part of this weird puppeteering thing. And it just becomes a really big distraction when you're just trying to communicate and be your best and most efficient self. And a lot of people, unfortunately, are not able to like, to hide it, right? And it sounds really right. bad to even that you have to, right. but like, just so you can get through the day without feeling attacked or or yes. standing out even more like i literally felt like i had to like hide it like right. i'm just going to i'm just going to hide this version of myself just so i can get through it enough so that once i'm done with the work day i can drop my mask and be my real self out here with right. my friends right and and that's the the part of the assimilation requirements that mm-hmm. is not talked about right it's Sometimes it's a way to protect myself. Absolutely. You know, I don't Absolutely. want the conversation to be all about something else. I want to talk about my job. And yeah. My job and I want to talk it. about how I can add value here. I want to talk mm-hmm. about how my my expertise and my um, educational background can contribute to the growth of the company and the company's goals. I don't want to sit here and have people go, oh, I went to Jamaica once. All right, I get it. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Can we move on, please? There's a level of, you know, closeness or relationship where maybe that can begin to be something that is a thing, right? But if you're meeting someone for the first time or you have a project that you're leading and it's a professional capacity, you don't want the conversation to, you know, you don't want to lead the conversation or want people to just shift the conversation to be about, you and you're like, 
you're true. like can we be productive please <laughs> yeah and I, I understand if you want a vacation in the grill but like i am not i'm not i'm not a travel planner i can't i, I can't help you i don't know I can't help how to you. help you i can't help you go get but it if you want to talk about brand development advertising i got you i'm yes. here for you yeah no we we want we have that um desire to walk just to our job just showcase your skill but there's just the multiple layers that we have to kind of help people see beyond that um, and it's it's a honestly it's just it's a much more nuanced approach when you're black and an immigrant yes. right like as immigrants, our parents, especially if you're like a first, like the child of a first generation immigrant or whatever, like something like that, our parents don't have the lived experience of how to survive and thrive in corporate America enough to prepare us to do the same thing. Because they're learning to do it the same time that we're learning to do it. Right. Right. Even there might there there are even instances where I, there there are people who come here and have to take a step back in their career than where they were from their, you know, country of origin in order to facilitate growth or long-term growth, right? And again, they're having to figure that out. They're having to figure out how do I deal with mopping the floors of a hospital when I'm a nurse in the country I come from? Like those kind of things, right? Like, how do I deal with that emotionally, right? And I think, again, that is where we have to kind of reach out to people that look like us, feel like us, to share our stories and have them share their experiences with us to help us. Right. Because we really, it's just not something that we can lean on our families for entirely because they're learning it the same way it. we're learning it. At the same time, we're yeah. learning it. At least if well, we can hear together. Well, that's family here. So, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I moved at, what was I, 25? And it mm -hmm. wasn't like my parents are here. So you yeah. can't even help with the context because it's not yeah. the same. They are looking at it through the lens yeah. of back home, right? So mm -hmm. even if you go into details, it doesn't help. It just stresses them out. Or, they, or, or they're like, so why why is your boss treating you like that? That sounds really biased. Yeah, that's my life. I have a friend that uh, got promoted to a manager role and she still jokes about how our parents taught wow that's good so do you get a driver now and a, an official car and she's like no i just have a title manager <laughs> yeah yeah there is yeah that's that's actually really funny because um, it see that same that same thing right so my grandpa he had a driver right so but my grandfather did not necessarily have his driver drive him around outside of like official capacity things but sometimes he would send him to pick me up from school and so that was the guy I was hiding from in the story I was telling my, like, my, my coworkers about. And they just, like, were like, what? Huh? It doesn't make any sense. And it won't make sense because they don't have the context for it. So, yeah. anyway. Or even if they, they get the context, even if you try and explain, then it becomes, well, you're such a show off. You know? Right. Versus that's just regular life in the country right. I come from. Right. And then it becomes, well, if that's regular life, then what are you doing here? Because my mother said so. Right. 
right. This, this is and like, then, you have that kind of life. Why did you come here? But then there's also, this is, and this is another like weird background digging thing, right? So, okay. So my company, right? Like we hire people like from Seattle, Washington, all the way from, you know, all the way to Manila, Philippines. Like, so our team is made up of like different people, different cultural backgrounds, different accents. And for me, it's like one of the most beautiful things to like watch all of us from all these different cultures work symbiotically to provide solutions for American-based companies and somehow still manage to thrive. And I thankfully am in a position where I can create this really authentic environment for every single one of my team members and myself to where we can show up to work as ourselves and not like some weird version of what we think we should be. Right. Even sometimes, you know, they come to work and depending on who it is, like they'll teach me like a word from like their country. And I'll be like, oh, cool. Because like we have like our team building meetings and stuff like that where we kind of like where we actually sit down and get to know each other and, and listen to what we have to say and don't judge each other for the things that we're saying. We just listen and share and, and, and try our best to comprehend and learn versus wait, that, that's, that doesn't make sense. Why would that happen for you? Right, right. So I, I didn't do a lot of question asking because obviously <laughs> you hit a lot of nail on the head around the questions that I wanted to ask. I think in school, some of the things, the insights you're already sharing is around what helped you in school, finding your community, how one community helped you with one thing and another community helped you with different things. Um, and then... It's already showing in, in terms of cult, my, my last section, I was going to ask into more details of how do you think being an immigrant, how do you think your experience is helping you show up better in the corporate workplace or as a leader now? And, and you just gave a great example of your own managing style, your own leadership style, right? Yeah. And even the team you built, I don't know if you intentionally set it up, but it's interesting how I see a lot of entrepreneurs that have that, you know, diversity around them naturally because of the kind of people you attract, right? You know, it's funny. Um, I'll try to censor this as much as possible because it was a very interesting situation. But I had my first experience where I um, had to terminate a working relationship for a team member who... Um, decided on his way out he was um, i keep in mind right like everybody is virtual my team like my company we're like a 100 virtual um company 100 virtual team um and on his way out he goes yeah you're an n-word b and i'm like mm, is this why People keep telling me not to hire people who don't look like me. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want him to sully that experience for me because there are people who will join my team who don't look like me, who right. are really great assets to my team, to my community, to my company. And we work really well together who are open-minded and right. honest right. and hardworking. And I don't ever want one person's inability to take ownership for their poor behavior or for their the lack of work that they contribute to the team in order to make it a better, more viable environment for everyone, um, sully opportunities for other people. 
Um, however, I try really hard. And I guess this is not however, this is just Anne. I try really hard to make the doors open for everyone. And when welcoming new people to the team, number one, let everybody know it's okay for them to show up as themselves. And then, and then also understand that everybody has to pull their own weight and it's going to be about your work and it's going to be about how the value that you add to the team, not about where you come from, how your hair is combed, um, or, you know, what kind of accent you have. That's, that's not going to be the determining factor in terms of like how you get treated around here. And so, yeah, that's awesome. See, that's, um, some of the things that we don't capture enough is, is, our, our our experiences um they can mess us up but if we package them right it can really shape us to make a difference for for other people for um, sure so thank you for, sure. <laughs> for the work you're doing I, I think we talked about it a little bit before we came on here about that's why a lot of there's a lot of entrepreneurs um that are immigrants Mm-hmm. Is is because you know the 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 corporate workplace is not necessarily made to accommodate <laughs> immigrants, and that's why you know that's why yeah. we're having this conversation. Is but it's not everybody that wants to leave and right. jump into entrepreneurship, and, and that's and, fine because it's not for it's not that's, for everybody, right? Not it's not for everybody. It's, yeah, it's not for everybody. Just in the same regard that corporate America isn't for everybody, right? Isn't for everybody. It's really right. just it's really just a matter of identifying what it is that you want, not just right. for yourself but out of life, and figuring out the best ways for you to get it where you are happy, fulfilled, and not compromising your personal values to make it happen. Right. Exactly. Uh, absolutely right. 100%. I agree. Um, yeah, because no matter what you're doing, you know, if you're not being authentic, if you're compromised, it's not sustainable. At some point, you are going to get burned out. Oh, gosh. Just- Emotionally, physically, mentally, yeah. it's just, it's all dead at yeah. this point. It's not sustainable. <laughs> right. So whatever it is you're going to do, you know, if you choose to be in the corporate space, you know, you can do it. There are insights. Um, I've had a lot of amazing guests um, hearing uh, some tips from you on how to make it work. And sometimes you just have to get out of the place and change companies. You know, it might yeah. be the company is not a place for you. So again, you know, if you're an immigrant, if you are listening, if you're an international student getting in there, you can do it. You belong there. Um, you need your community. You need your tools. Yannick, do you have any final thoughts on tips to share if for the people that are listening that are maybe still in there and want to be in there or want to step out how did you you know what are some of the tips that you used at least while you were in there it sounds like you've you went around a little bit before you jumped into entrepreneurship so um, yeah I guess find, we'll- find your be, be be okay with finding a coping mechanism that allows you to separate your work environment from who you actually are because it's not every day that your work environment is what is what's actually going to define you find a hobby that you enjoy find a group of people that you can cling to that 
allows you to comfortably be yourself and be yourself unapologetically. If you are talking about improving the your current environment or the current relations, the current relationships that you have with your teammates, it's okay to be honest and transparent about how you're feeling, about how you're being treated, about what you, what advantages or disadvantages are not being afforded to you. Um, but when you do it, you need to make sure you do it because you want to and you're prepared for whatever results happen next. Cause it may mean you no longer work there and you need to find somewhere that's more suited for what you need. Right. And what you want in a working environment. And then it might be that you are now given a boatload more responsibility to prove, to test and try your resolve. But you also have to be ready to take that on. And if you don't want to take that on, what are you going to do about it? Well, thank you so much, Yannick. I, um, what is the name of your podcast? Oh, my podcast is, is called Eventus 365. It's where... I, in the most ironic fashion, um, talk to corporate event planners and trade show marketers about how they build um, successful events for corporations. And in tandem, how I, as a agency owner that services people within corporate America, um, can better help service them and their needs. And um, it's pretty cool. I heard that um, you don't have to be a corporate event planner to enjoy it. So feel free to tune in. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, your insights. I love how we went deep on uh, a couple of things and you shared some really <laughs> practical examples <laughs> from the corporate workplace, because I think sometimes we underscore a lot of these things and we don't talk about it enough. The reality of what is not appropriate, what is appropriate and, um, the challenges and struggles that immigrants in the corporate workplace go through. So thanks for sharing those. Thank you for the work you're doing. And I hope to talk to you soon. You can't leave without answering the final question. You almost made oh. me miss that. Food. So take us on a trip. Um, if you were to share a food, or maybe you already did, if you were to share a food uh, from your own country, uh, Jamaica, with your co-workers, what would that be and why? So I thought I was going to go with ackee and sawfish because it's like one of my favorite dishes to eat when I'm in Jamaica and it is our national dish. However, I am going to go with my grandmother's cornmeal pudding. My grandmother's cornmeal pudding could probably could probably bring about peace between fighting countries. <laughs> it is a showstopper game changer brought it to school made all the friends my grandfather would bring it to work he would everybody would always send home well can we get peace tell auntie pam to send more pudding when the next time she's sending pudding um and i mean and that that's like within jamaica but like if i were to share any one dish with my co-workers it would be that thank you <laughs> Hey, food, food can, you know, turn people's... And I mean, they all have to like it, but I didn't mean I ain't share it. (laughs) I'm going to share it. Food can work uh, magic, okay? 
Yes. It was please. nice chatting with you. Thank Same. you. Alrighty, bye. Thank you for joining me, Lola Adeyemo, as always, for these important conversations on the corporate world of work from the immigrant perspective. For more resources and upcoming events, please visit our website, www.immigrantsincorporate.org. You can also follow us on Instagram at Immigrants Incorporate. If you are on LinkedIn, please join the group Thriving in Intersectionality-Immigrants in Corporate America. There will be a new episode every week, so make sure you are subscribed to get notified. Please leave us a rating, leave a review, and I hope to see you next time. Thank you.